promotional consideration for Growing Greater Philadelphia provided by Citizens Bank, Drexel University, and the General Building Contractors Association. This is the Growing Greater Philadelphia podcast, bringing you more of the interviews and stories from the Growing Greater Philadelphia radio program. Now, here is Matt Cabry. So welcome into the next edition of Growing Greater Philadelphia. And with us today, Joe Sullivan, co-founder and CEO of Aerial Applications. Joe, it's great to have you. Great to be here. Thanks for joining us. And tell us a little bit about Aerial Applications. Sure. So Aerial Applications is a software company uh, that takes photos off of drones and turns them into maps and 3D models, mostly for asset management use cases. So that can be a little bit jargon-laden. Heavy. Yeah, Yeah. like hard to wrap your head around. Basically, I'll give you two examples. So uh, one is cell tower inspections. So climbing a cell tower is extremely dangerous. It's one of the most dangerous jobs uh, in the U.S. today. And most of the time, you're climbing just to get a good look at stuff. So what we do is we say, okay, instead of sending a guy, you know, 400 feet into the air, having to clip in and climb just to get measurements, put a drone at the base, fly it around a few times and take a series of photos. And then you can turn those photos into high precision 3D models and then do all your engineering work on the back end of that. It's safer, faster, more cost effective. Uh, So that's one use case. Uh, Another use case is uh, the work we've done in the disaster response area. We've been fortunate enough to work with Comcast, and they deployed us for two different uh, hurricane responses. So we did Hurricane Matthew in Savannah, where uh, we mapped the entire city of Savannah in a matter of hours on a kind of a rolling basis. And then we also did uh, hurricane recovery efforts following Hurricane Irma in uh, southern Florida. And what's the tie in there to Comcast? Because when you said Comcast, I was thinking mm-hmm. cell tower, uh, you know, yeah. from a communications perspective, but it sounds like it might be a little different. Yeah. So what we do with this like fundamental technology is any kind of asset. So anything in space that you need to kind of quickly assess and view and kind of manage the information on can work through our software. So cell towers are a good example because they're concrete, kind of easy to explain. Comcast is a little bit more complicated, but basically all of their fiber lines. So with our software, we get their fiber lines, you know, mapped into our, you know, secure database. And then uh, we're able to do drone operations where we can fly over it and say, yep, they're, they're good or no, they're down and do that you know, fast enough to actually improve their response times and uh, increase their customer support. Gotcha. That that makes good sense. It's like an infrastructure assessment that empowers you and Comcast with information to to adjust and and, and respond. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's very cool. I want to shift a little bit, and I do want to learn, obviously, more about some of the applications and successes you and your team have had at Aerial Applications. Sure. Um, but I want to hear a little bit about Joe Sullivan and, uh, <laughs> and, and your vision for Aerial Applications and your partners who have helped build this company. Take us back to the early days, the vision. How long has Aerial Applications been with us? And what was that first seed that was planted that caused you to say, I might there, there might be something there. So Aerial Applications has been around since November of 2015. And I'd been kind of cooking on this idea for a while. 
Prior to starting Aerial Applications, I was actually involved with another startup called Offerboard. Uh, it was a financial technology company here in the you know in Princeton, kind of greater Philly area, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, and that did all right, and you know got acquired. And as I was trying to figure out what the next step was, I was looking at kind of the the broader market trends in the context of saying, okay, what do I want to do for the rest of my life? Right. And the first thing is I, I want to do something that's not going to get replaced or automated by a robot later. Right. Right. So if I can be the guy who builds the robots, I'm probably in good shape. But there's also this idea of like, okay, what would good fundamentals of a business look like that would really be solid? What's the investment landscape like? So I kind of took that top down approach. But I also, you know, when I was in high school, like I, I like I built my own computers, built some robots. And so mm-hmm. I always kind of thought that was um, like a part of me that I've you know, wanted to invest in, wanted to see more of. And so this was a kind of a chance to get to do that and follow my passion there. So, you know, I'm kind of kicking the idea around and uh, I was talking to my cousin actually about this idea and I'm like, uh, you know, thinking about it, I don't know, what do you think? Yep. And he's like, yeah, we should go for it. And I'm like, yeah, okay, like I, I could maybe see it, but I don't really have the technical chops to kind of make this work. And he's like, well, I could, you know, I could maybe chip in and kind of downplays it and then you know it reminds me that he's been working at intel for right. like the last yeah. several okay. years and i was gonna ask is your cousin yeah. a rocket scientist or something just right? about yeah, yeah. <laughs> actually yeah like aerospace engineering so right. yeah, just right. about yeah yeah and you know we kind of got the ball rolling bootstrapped did all of the stuff you're not supposed to do when you start a company yep so uh you know maxed out a ton of credit cards to just get off the ground and then got that first customer. And then once we got that first customer, then we were able to get some investment dollars behind us and just get that ball rolling. That's how some of the best companies have started though, right? You max out your credit card and then bang, (laughs) it takes off on you. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Were you here in greater Philadelphia at that time? Yeah. So uh, my wife and I and my three little startups, as I like to put it, uh, all live in uh, Morrisville, Bucks County. So, you know, that's where we got our first house. And it's been, it's been good. It's a nice place to kind of raise a family and get started. And we, you know, we, we've got our headquarters at the Penovation Center here uh, with UPenn. And and how did yeah. you land there? What was the connection to Penovation Center? Was it just a convenient spot where you could collaborate with others? or Yeah, so it's funny. I found the Penovation Center by doing a Google search for co-working space. Cool. And then it came up on Technically. So now looking back on it, it's kind of a cool story because it's like, oh, there's this publication that's very tech forward mm-hmm. um, that's talking about all of the different locations that are very tech forward. And then getting into that space and realizing, wait a minute, there's like six other drone companies here. Mm-hmm. Like, this is awesome. So I did one tour, got a feel for just how many people were in the building and what the possibilities would be. And I knew that was where and we had to be. You must have been one of the earlier tenants, if you will, of Penovation, I suspect, right? Yeah. I think they had been open for, you know, maybe six months or okay. something when, yeah. we, when we first moved yeah. in. So we started as just kind of like a floating desk with Tom and I, and then... There was no pun intended there, correct? Yeah, yeah right. Okay. Just checking. <laughs> just drones that we kind of like... <laughs> right. <laughs> you could probably go all day with those, I suspect. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you know what I love about the fact that you kind of found Penovation... 
is it's an organic story. You know, Pennovation has a lot of ecosystem around it, specifically aligned with the university, with alumni, with students. And you're not necessarily that, which is, I think, extra special. Yeah, so it's it's kind of funny because I deal with that almost every day. People are like, "Oh, are you a UPenn alum?" And I'm like, "No, nah, actually, I'm just a guy who like got yeah. a desk here, right?" But getting a desk opened up all of this possibility. I'll give you a sense. So, like UPenn, the entire like third floor of the Pennovation Center is all UPenn uh, graduate students. You know, just engineers that are basically just working on robotics. There's like several hundred of them. And that's been a great opportunity for us. We've gotten to like tap into them for recruiting and uh, some collaborative research. So that's been like super, super fruitful. We also, you know, we one of our first developer hires was out at Temple. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's been kind of a good ecosystem there. And, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like Philly is like right on the cusp of um, some serious tech breakout. People don't talk about much, but it's really there. You know, you got all these universities, all this kind of raw talent that's just sort of coming to the forefront. And so for me, it feels like surfing. It feels like I kind of got my board in the right place just as the wave is starting to break. So, yeah, and I love that. I love that perspective because you're right. The tech scene in greater Philadelphia is on like that precipice. And some would say it's already, you know, over the edge. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally speaking, it's not as well recognized, perhaps, as it is in some other parts of the country and other parts of the world. So I think it's a really astute observation. And it leads me actually to a perspective that I was hoping you could share a little bit more with us on, Joe, because I've learned since uh, you and I connected that um, you're not native to greater Philadelphia. Love is what yeah. brought you here with your wife and your three other startups, your, your three favorite startups, right? That's right. right. Yeah. Um, but I love that because at Select Greater Philadelphia, often, we often will talk about uh, business attraction. And generally speaking, those of us who come to greater Philadelphia from outside the region, they see the the specialness that those who are native to greater Philadelphia may not necessarily recognize all the time. So tell us a little bit about your background in Chicago and the West Coast and others and, you know, that comparison and contrasting of the regions and why Philadelphia kind of is a special place for you. Sure, sure. Yeah. So I grew up outside of Chicago. And naturally, if you're going to found a tech company, you want to get a good like tech education and background. So I went and got a liberal arts degree. Perfect. Uh, (laughs) Which, you know, we can talk about that. I, I think it's actually been incredibly helpful. But that was out in California and then I worked on my master's, got a master's in public policy from Pepperdine. And immediately after my master's, got married, and my wife was from the East Coast, so we wound up moving on back here. Excellent. (laughs) Well, you're a smart man, first of all, Uh, (laughs) on several levels. (laughs) Well, you know what they say, uh, happy wife, happy life. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Smart to marry someone from greater Philadelphia, and you know how beautiful Bucks County is because you now live there and you're raising your family there with your wife and kids, so... But what is it that you know you recognize that maybe you didn't necessarily appreciate when you heard about Greater Philadelphia? I mean, there, there's an old uh, you know kind of adage, depending on a person's perspective and their their length of uh, of presence in this region, that Philadelphia is not as bad 
as Philadelphians say it is. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that's from the 70s, actually. There was actually a billboard on one of our highways that, that touted that. And it's like, wow, uh, we've come a long way since then. Uh, but you may have had a preconceived notion of Philadelphia. Share with us what that may have been and did it match up? I don't know. I, I had kind of a blank slate coming into it. So, you know, I, I moved in with an open mind. I don't know. It didn't have the sunshine I was used to from Southern California. For sure. But I think I've come to appreciate, I don't know, the culture, the kind of, there's a kind of hominess that's very endearing. I think what what I see and what I what I like about the place is, again, I, I feel like there's all this bottled up talent. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what really resonates for me. So when we started the company, I kept thinking like, oh God, like, am I going to have to move out to Silicon Valley? Like, how am I going to live? You know, right. <laughs> like I'm going to have to be pulling down like 300 grand just to scrape by in a studio apartment right. and like, you know, all of that. And um, being able to say, no, actually, like things are pretty reasonable. People have kind of reasonable expectations and by the way, there's some serious horsepower in terms of technical talent. Uh, that's been a, that's been a big win, you know. So like, you know, a lot of people will start a tech company and or like I like I've had other entrepreneurs come to me and say like, how do you find all these software developers? Yeah, it's right. Like, well, they're here. Yeah, you know, you just yeah. got to talk to them, right? right. You just got to kind of hang your shingle out. And um, I think that's that's something that's to me very encouraging. Like you don't have to drink the Kool Aid and go move to Silicon Valley to start a tech company. You can start a tech company anywhere, right? And especially now, like communication is so open. There's so much collaboration that's available. You can kind of you know you you can go where you know people are going to have good work balance, you know, good family life. Um, you can go where your customers are, which mm-hmm. for us was like you know it's a big deal being able to kind of you know like so having comcast as an anchor customer and then being able to kind of drop into the comcast building um has been really cool absolutely huge benefit yeah yeah and then prospects are here as well right large companies that you can partner with and they can engage your expertise yeah exactly and um you know the other thing too is like there's not a ton of hype around it like I, i feel like mit maybe gets all the hype but UPenn has some of the brightest minds in robotics today. And, you know, I think about the work that, like, Dr. Vijay Kumar is doing, Dr. C.J. Taylor, like, Patrick Cozy. Everybody's just doing incredible work out there. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, where's where's the love? Right? Yeah, <laughs> like, right, right. Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, and that's part of our role at Select Greater Philadelphia, to do it in an appropriate way, but certainly to shine the spotlight to say, look, there's um, an awareness that is lacking when it comes to the talent that's in Greater Philadelphia. And we're trying to shine that spotlight. It, some suggest it goes back to our Quaker roots, which are a little bit more conservative and reserved in our style. And others are saying, you know, let's skip all that and just get right at it and let people know about the amazing things that are yeah. happening right here in Greater Philadelphia, like your company, Aereo Applications. I was hoping you could talk a little bit more, and you've touched on the talent a little bit, but when you're talking with other folks in your industry or around the country or around the world, what do you say to them about Greater Philadelphia's talent and the ability to grow a company here in a very cost-efficient way, in a very 
easy to navigate way, both business-wise and logistically, but also to be able to access the rest of the world, for example. Because I'm coming at this a little bit from, I know you have offices in Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. I know you have offices in uh, Daytona Beach, Florida. Yeah. And they, they got to be tempting places to say, you know what, I'm going to work out of uh, Florida, the Florida office for this month. <laughs> yeah. but, but how do you balance all that? And how do you position it when you're talking with your peers about why Greater Philadelphia is the place to establish and grow? I think a lot of it is just knocking down uh, the negative perceptions. So, you know, it's like, again, like I was saying, oh, we can't we can't access tech talent or, you know, it doesn't have the right ecosystem, doesn't have the right investor landscape, blah, blah, blah. And what we've seen is it's not the case. You know, yeah. there's um, so like, you know, we, we started in Benjamin's desk co-working location, which has now become uh, 1776. Mm-hmm. And those guys have just been incredible to work with. You know, so they've managed the Penovation Center. Mm-hmm. And in tapping into that ecosystem, I've gotten introduced to like new investors every month. You know, I've gotten introduced to um, new talent. Right. And so... You know, like at the Penovation Center, they had a, a hackathon with like 300, you know, female software developers, right? Um, so here you go, like you're just hitting all of this engineering talent. And it's not just UPenn. It's also like, sure. you know, it's Temple, it's Drexel, it's it's the whole ecosystem. And so I, I don't know. I think there's I think there's a lot of culture here. I think there's a lot of good people I think the investment dollars are really here. You know, we've been able to raise a, a series seed um, up to this point, and I think we could kind of just keep that ball rolling. You know, and it's it's just about finding the right people and connecting and kind of moving it forward. You had me at Hackathon with 300 burgeoning experts in the uh, ecosystem of, you know, kind of engineering and robotics. That's pretty cool. Yeah. No, it was awesome. And, you know, there we are with uh, Office Space, right? And we just, like, we put a big sign up that said, like, put your resume under the door, right? Yeah. And then, you know, we've got, like, Google and Facebook have booths, yeah. right? So they're coming out to us to get the talent. Right. Um, so I think that says a lot. I think that's a, a, a an encouraging trend. Absolutely. I, I would take it further and say, I'm not sure you could ask for much more than that, frankly. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, and also, um, I don't know, were you involved with that whole thing with uh, when Steve Case came around? I was not, but I'm aware of Steve Case's uh, presence in Philadelphia and, and the work he was doing here. Yeah. 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 So we had, you know, again, like speaking to another kind of incredible opportunity, uh, literally once in a lifetime kind of thing. You know, we had an opportunity to be at, on a small uh, speaking group with uh, Steve Case as part of his like Rise of the Rest mm-hmm. uh, movement. And, you know, I think he's doing some really smart stuff there. So the whole thesis is take, you know, the success and prosperity of Silicon Valley outside of Silicon Valley. Right. And, um, you know, he's, he's been on a tour. There's, he's got some major names up in that fund. And I think, uh, from what I can tell, they're, they're generating a whole lot of really good traction. Um, so Philly is one of the areas that they're, um, they're looking pretty seriously at. And so that's just one example of like yeah. all of the different things that are happening. Absolutely. And I think you're right. Steve and others are on to something where let's think a little bit differently. Let's come outside our comfort zones and there's talent everywhere around the country and the world. And Philadelphia is one of those places that could really be the next 
spot for a company to really take off. Yeah. 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 And, you know, people don't like talk about the fact like, oh, Warby Parker also started out of here. You know, there's there's a ton of really good companies. Totally. Yeah. 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 Joe Sullivan, founder and CEO with a couple buddies and a cousin of uh, Aerial Applications right here in greater Philadelphia. If you're able to share with us one or two projects that cause you to really be proud of the initiative that you and your team have started if there's something that stands out for you, like, wow, that's an amazing project that we were able to work on. It's funny. I've got like a ton of projects that are like in the cooker yeah, that I yeah. don't know that we can really talk to yet. We participated in a hackathon that was based in Austin, Texas, actually. So we kind of flew the whole team in for that. And it was sponsored by a group called MD5. And their, their tagline is DOD's Accelerator. So we went through that. It was like this whole weekend long thing and put together a proposal for them. And we wound up winning the contest. And then we got invited to pitch at South by Southwest months later. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was a really big kind of initiative for us. It's been really exciting. And since then, we've kind of been engaging around what it would look like to um, to deploy our technology as part of a, you know, government response initiative. Um, so we've been looking at, you know, partnerships with FEMA and other groups that, where we could say, okay, how can we help emergency response situations? You know, how can we help to get the right information in a way so that we can save time and save money and, and potentially even help save lives? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me, that's that's really exciting. It's incredibly rewarding to just have a shot to be at bat for some of that stuff. Um, so that's been really great, very rewarding, um, really, really positive opportunity. And then on the disaster response stuff, you know, I, I think our team has just done incredible work there that, to my knowledge, outside of, again, like government-sponsored work, has been some of the most impressive, technologically advanced work that's been done in the commercial sector in drones to date. So, you know, you talk about our work following Hurricane Matthew. We mapped the entire city of Savannah, right? So you're talking about 160 square miles with drone photography, mapping, and then, you know, the the really impressive piece of that is processing and georectifying all of that to make it into a map and then running it through visual recognition algorithms to be able to identify where the line damage was. So that was a special letter from the Department of Homeland Security so that we could kind of operate in the area. We scrambled our whole team, got everybody on site. We even like rapidly ramped up our um, our team. So we have this network of drone pilots that we called on to kind of scale up very, very quickly. And so in 72 hours, I had hired 40 people wow. um, to kind of you know achieve this mission. And uh, funny story about about that. My wife was nine months pregnant. Of course she was. With our, with our third. And uh, so I have three girls, right? So yeah. my, my third girl. And her due date was that Friday. And I flew down that Saturday. Right. <laughs> and, you know, she, she turned, she's like, okay, you can go, but... You know, make sure you're back before the baby or don't come back at all. Right, right. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. So uh, flew down, did the mission, you know, got the data. People were um, pretty happy with the results. 
and then flew back and within 24 hours was holding my daughter. That's great. So, Good timing. About, Mission accomplished yeah. on several levels. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. So you talk about a serious whirlwind. Yeah. Uh, that, that was definitely it. For sure. And it also sounds like uh, much of the work that you and your team do at Aereo Applications, of course, it's about using drones to capture images from an aerial perspective. But that's just really the first chapter in mm-hmm. in the story, because then you have to do something with all, all that information. Right? right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the key is, you know, it's it's not just a pretty picture. It's about having actionable data. Mm-hmm. Right. Customers constantly want to know, what am I going to do with it? And the answer is, is pretty straightforward. Well, you're going to run it through visual recognition to perform an operation. So identify, classify, tag, and count uh, so that on the back end you can say, yep, here's everything I was looking for. It's all been sorted through. You know, So we, we do these operations. We're going to end up with you know, very uh, – a small project is thousands of photos. And so yep. when, when we're doing disaster response, you know, it could be tens of thousands, could be, could be more. Very high resolution, very detailed uh, photography. And so then, you know, you have to run it through these machine algorithms to be able to kind of sort through all that data and make it actionable. And then what we do is we, we say, okay, let's have a person review what the machine serves up. So it's not quite artificial intelligence it's more like augmented intelligence mm-hmm. right you yeah. know you've got a really smart guy who's also got a really smart computer and they're working together and you know that seems to be pretty effective so we're excited to kind of keep working on that i want to come back to that but i want to shift slightly because you had referenced a liberal arts background you know mm-hmm. you're not really a techie engineering type guy at least not in a formal way mm-hmm. um and talk a little bit about how that liberal arts background and the you know, graduate work you did also in a liberal arts space prepared you really to be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's pretty cool, actually. So I went to Thomas Aquinas College, liberal arts school, mm-hmm. and even kind of unique among liberal arts schools. So instead of doing lectures, every class was Socratic dialogue. You got 15, 16 people around a table with a professor, and the professor asked an opening question. And then it's just a debate in that form. And there's no textbooks. It's all original source documents kind of moving through. If you were to create a list of, you know, the greatest writers of all time, you kind of move chronologically through through all that. And that was uh, an incredible experience for me. I would argue basically the best four years of my entire education because it... It exposed me to the greatest ideas of all time Mm -hmm. and in a format where it prepared me for ongoing debate and engagement. So, you know, in a real world context, if you're if you're in a business setting and you're being lectured at, that's not a good situation. Right. 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 You'd much rather be uh, having a back and forth and be engaged in a boardroom setting. Um, So I would say just that Socratic dialogue uh, has been very, very valuable. And then the other thing that, you know, I picked up from my education was how to engage with a big idea. Mm -hmm. And that starts by having humility and recognizing, well, there's a whole lot here that I don't know. And then sort of learning some tools for taking that big idea down, Mm -hmm. you know, so saying, okay, I'm going to go to some really smart people. And I'm going to see what they say about it. 
And then I'm going to chew on it and debate it and ask maybe stupid questions, right? Maybe I'll start with stupid questions and then maybe eventually I'll start asking smart questions. And then maybe over time I'll start to really wrap my head around that. You'll use that critical thinking, that strategic thinking skill that maybe you didn't have when you walked in the door, but you developed over the four years you were there and helped you prepare for who you are today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, there's um, there's some good statistics that kind of bear this out. You know, you've seen, like, some articles coming out of, like, Harvard Business Review and different stuff like that saying, right. like, actually, um, a well-structured liberal arts education is one of the best backgrounds you can have in a business context. Mm-hmm. Um, because exactly what you're saying, that strategic mindset that helps you kind of troubleshoot. So what do you share to a young entrepreneur, to a 15, 18, 20-year-old who's thinking, you know, I always wanted to be, I think, my own business owner. I'm not quite sure what discipline, mm-hmm. but, you know, that's in my DNA, and I'm thinking that's the path I want to go down. What kind of advice do you give to a young person like that? Sure, yeah. I I think a lot of people approach their college education you know, maybe by asking like, okay, what's going to change four years from now, five years from now? And how do I kind of pivot to do what's, you know, where I expect it to change to? I'd actually caution against that. I think that's the wrong mentality. I think the right question to ask is what's not going to change, right? What can I invest in now that I know is going to be really, really valuable, not only four years from now, but also 20 years from now, Mm -hmm. 30 years from now, right? And so in some ways, I think that's the the real value of, of the education I received is it was engaging with these timeless questions, right? What does it mean to be human, right? Mm-hmm. What's our relationship with eternal divine things? You know, what is the transcendent like, mm-hmm. you know, and engaging with that and then saying, okay, yeah, like this is, this is real juice. Like I know I'm going to be able to build on a rock solid foundation of this kind of education and knowledge because it's not going to change. And so as I add on different things that maybe will change, um, I'll still have something perennial and, and lasting. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Kind of comes back to an earlier part of our conversation. You were talking about, you know, if I make the robot, I might be in pretty good shape because I, I'm going to have a skill set that's not going to be able to be replaced 20 years down the road, hopefully, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Lightening it up a little bit. Is there a favorite place in greater Philadelphia that you and your family really value? And you say, Let, let's do that. Let's go there. Let's experience this in greater Philadelphia. Yeah, that's a good question. So uh, I love taking my kids to Tyler Park mm-hmm. out in Bucks County. Uh, sure. It's a huge park, a lot of hiking, a lot of outdoor stuff. That's really fun. I've got a couple... I love going to, you know, restaurants downtown. Sure. Right. And so I've had the chance to go to Fork and mm-hmm. some of these other like pretty high end restaurants are just like an incredible meal. I find that to be like really, really satisfying and, and enjoyable. Yeah. So that's been, you know, that's been really good. And there's always that debate about like, okay, who's got the, the best Philly cheese steak, you right. know, where we're going to go, Sure. that whole thing. and. I don't know. It's uh, it's kind of fun to dive into the food scene. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and that that has also been a burgeoning kind of industry, if you will, for Greater Philadelphia as well, and specifically the city. That food scene has been pretty incredible. Coming back to the work that you and the team are doing at Aerial Applications. Mm-hmm. So you're coming up on your three year anniversary. Mm-hmm. November of fifteen was kickoff. What's next? Where do you see aerial applications going, you know, another two, three, five, ten years down the road? Yeah. You know, it's funny. Like, to me, it feels like we're just getting started. 
Right. So uh, Steve Jobs has this great quote. He's like, uh, I'm always surprised at how long it takes to be an overnight success. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I think if we continue growing our sales and our customer base on the trajectory that we've been on, you know, we're going to be adding, we're, we're at like 11 people right now. We're probably going to be moving to like 30 or 40, like mm-hmm. in the next 12 months, we'll be pretty rapidly kind of scaling up our operation, hiring a lot of people. And, you know, depending on the direction we go with our balance of software and services, we'd also be looking at, you know, scaling out a national kind of service network. Mm -hmm. Just asking, okay, what would it look like to actually be ready to do operations anywhere in the nation? You know, what would that look like? So I think there's some really exciting stuff just in, on the, in terms of the business growth. And, you know, the thing that gets me out of bed in the morning is the idea of like just how innovative uh, the technology we're building can really be um, and how transformative it is. So, you know, I was listening to a, a podcast yesterday and basically talking about this idea of how ideas evolve in business and how new ideas are created. And it's like a series of Lego blocks, mm. you know, where you kind of, you've got this box of technology that you, you can kind of reach into and say, okay, um, I'm going to take this piece and put it together with this piece. And then maybe I'll build this new thing. And then as a new thing is built, you kind of toss it back into the box for other people to build with. Right. Right. Um, I feel like we're, we just have this like world of possibilities with all the blocks that we can kind of put together. And I'm very excited to think about what it'll be like uh, when other people are building with our block, you know? Yeah, that's a great analogy. And I really love that. And I'm glad you shared it with us. Uh, we're talking with Joe Sullivan, who is uh, founder and CEO of Aerial Applications building his company right here in greater Philadelphia. He's headquartered out of the Penovation Center at 3401 Grace Ferry Avenue. He and his cousin Nathan and his partner Jeff uh, Brooks uh, had the uh, opportunity to take this company, make it what it is today, and build it to the future. Thanks for joining us uh, right here on Growing Greater Philadelphia, Joe. Thank you, man. Growing Greater Philadelphia is supported in part by many of our investors and partners, including Liberty Property Trust. They're a proud investor of Select Greater Philadelphia. Liberty Property Trust has been creating environments that have been helping businesses realize their full potential for nearly 50 years. To learn more about the Philadelphia Navy Yard and other Liberty Properties, visit libertyproperty.com. And by Drexel University. Drexel was founded in 1891. They're one of the region's top 10 private employers with three campuses in Philadelphia. Learn more about Drexel University at drexel.edu. Check out all of our podcasts on radio.com and tune in Friday mornings, 5 a.m. on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Growing Greater Philadelphia. Philadelphia.